You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. I also want to say, um, and thank you for, for being here on, on Memorial Day Sunday, uh, or Memorial Day weekend Sunday. Um, Pastor Dave and I were laughing this morning, driving up to the church that even yesterday, the town just seems kind of empty, doesn't it? <laughs> like, so I'm grateful you are here and making this a priority to be here this morning. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 John uh, chapter 5. We've got today and then I think three, I think three more weeks after today uh, before we're done with 1 John. And then we're going to be doing a series in Proverbs this summer that we're really looking forward to. Um, but again, 1 John chapter 5, we're going to be uh, in verse 1 here in just a second. I remember in one of my doctoral seminars, we had a, a guest um, speaker, pastor, his name was uh, Dr. Larry Osborne. Really, it was, a, man, it was an honor to, to sit under him for, I think he was there for two days in class with us. And he, one, one of the days he started off class, he went to the whiteboard and he said, all right, guys, we're in a doctoral class. Like a lot of you guys have already been in ministry for a while. You, you've, a lot of you have your, uh, your master's from a seminary. So let's, let's think, what do people who really love Jesus, what do they do? Like, not just what do they look like, but what do they do? So we're like, oh man, this is, this is an easy question, right? So he gets ready, he's going to write on the whiteboard things that we say. And so we're tossing things out. Man, um, they, just to try to remember, name a few, uh, they go on mission trips. They, uh, they, you know, they, they raise their hands during worship. They, maybe they even have some Christian t-shirts. That one's kind of funny to me, <laughs> but like um, they, they listen to, to Christian music. Maybe they, they really know their apologetics. So that's a word that means they know how to defend the faith or take a stand for the faith. They know how to share the gospel. Um, they, they read Christian books. And so we probably 10 or 15 minutes <clears throat> that he's writing what we're saying on the whiteboard and everything. And we fill up this whiteboard and he's like, okay, okay. And he says, hey, I want you guys to turn. You don't have to. He said, I want you guys to turn to John 14. So we, we turn over to John. I'll get there in a second. And he says, I want you to scroll down to verse 15. So we all look there and he reads this. Jesus talking, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Other translations say, if you love me, you will obey me. So he looks back at the whiteboard and he's like, guys, uh, I think we got a problem. <laughs> he asked all these pastors, what does it look like if you really love Jesus? What do you do? We named all these things and we didn't name. I mean, some of them were reflections of this, but in reality, none of us named what Jesus said. If you love me, you will obey me. We named some flashy things, some things that were trendy. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. <clears throat> John, who, again, I keep saying this, but John, who wrote this epistle that we've been studying in 1 John, also wrote the Gospel of John. And he makes this connection for us between our love for God and our obedience to God. Now, that's what part of, a major part of this text we're going to see this morning is, is him helping us see this kind of often forgotten connection between if you love God, you will obey God. 
Let's just, let's go ahead and dive into the text. We're going to, um, I'm going to be a little briefer on verses one and two, just because we've, we've studied some of these ideas, but I'll unpack them a little bit nonetheless. He says, chapter five, verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So what's the central tenet of Christianity? Like what does our faith rest on? It's belief in Jesus. He's the central figure of Christianity. So if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not a Christian. Like it's that stuff. If you don't believe in the, the Jesus of the Bible, you're not a Christian. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. So to love Jesus is to also love God the Father because God the Father sent Jesus. Beginning, he has this interesting connection that is kind of repetitive throughout 1 John that if we've been born of God and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. So if you love the Father, you're also going to love his children. So just to be, give an example, if you say you love me, you're my friend, but you hate my kids, now we have a problem, right? Like, so if you love me, you may not like my kids, but you have to love them, right? Like, they're pretty likable though, I'm just saying. He says, this is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his command. So it's interesting. Often he said, we know we love God if we love his children. And here he kind of flips the, the road around, so to speak, and says, we know we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. So this is John Stott, uh, theologian, pastor, has passed away now. He points this out that John here, is not, he's not confused, he's not speaking like two ways out of his mouth. No, it's, it's, this road runs both ways. That love for God helps stir love for fellow man and love for fellow man is part of what stirs love for God. It's why, just to give a quick example, it's why like when you, uh, speaking of going on a mission trip, the thing we threw out on the whiteboard, like going on a mission trip, you spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ, that love for one another and serving one another stirs love for God. I was talking with our bass player this morning, Hunter. We're talking about going and serving some kiddos at the Texas Boys Ranch. And that like showing them the love of Christ, hanging out with them actually can make you feel loved and it actually stirs a love for God. Y'all tracking with that? So it says it flows both ways. And I also love this. So again, we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. So already we're kind of... He's turning that corner towards what I think we want to focus on this morning because I uh, haven't dealt a lot of this, dealt with a lot of this in First John, focusing on obedience. But notice what he says before we kind of get to where I really want to hunker down. We know we love God's children. We love God and obey his commands. Loving people like God wants you to will never require you to disobey God. God is never, to say it the opposite way, God is never going to say, hey, you have to obey me, but that means you're not going to love these people. Often we think, especially in our culture, we have this kind of assumption that, well, you know, sometimes like I'm just going to have to disobey God or I'm going to have to kind of lighten up on my, on my morality so I can love these people well. No, John's pointing out, you can cling to truth and love at the same time. That's why Jesus came full of grace and truth, right? 
So don't think that loving someone well requires you to ignore the Bible. I would say if you think loving someone well does require you to ignore the Bible, someone's lying to you. <laughs> and, it may, and it may be you, I don't know. Maybe you're lying to yourself. That said, he kind of, in the rest of the text, I think kind of turns this corner to focusing on obedience. Verse three, for this is what love for God is. Here's how, here's how it's defined. Here's what it looks like. And he says, to keep his commands. Again, so makes me think back to John 14, 15. Love for God is to keep his commands. It's to obey him. You can think of it this way, that as your love for God increases, so should your obedience to God, right? Someone who says, oh, I really love God, but you see them running the opposite way from obeying God. They're, as John would say, a liar and the truth is not in them. As your love for God increases, so should your obedience increase. You know, think about obedience, it's not flashy. It's not cool, <laughs> but it's what God wants. What's the best way to show someone that you love them? It's to do what pleases them. And the best way that we know to do what pleases God is to obey him, right? If he's told us, here's what I want you to do, doesn't it make sense that that's what we should do if we want to show him love? <laughs> like that, we're, we're speaking his love language. Some of y'all have read the, I think it's Gary Chapman who wrote the five love languages. Am I saying Gary Chapman? Yeah. Um, and there's like physical touch. Of course, a guy would say that first, right? <laughs> uh, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts. Lauren always says she has the spiritual gift of receiving gifts. <laughs> um, she's very godly. <laughs> she really is. What, I'm missing, what's the fifth one? Acts of service. Thank you. Cle clearly not mine. <laughs> God's love language? Obedience. You want to show him you love him? He says to love, love for, this is what love for God is. It's to obey his commands, to, to do what he's told us to do. So first point, number one, real simply, what is it? Is this. The best way to show your love for God is to obey God. Best way for you to show your love for God is to obey God. You know, one thing I was thinking about with, with this, obedience, biblically speaking, so doing what God tells us to do as laid out in scripture. And just, yeah, just as a quick side, if you're like, I'm not sure what he's told me to do, 66 books telling you, right? He's just like, here it is, check it out. Obedience is all encompassing. So, so much of our, of our lives, we could try to segment and compartmentalize. So I, I've, I've shared this before. I had a college professor, Dr. Tanner, who uh, he told us one day, don't be waffles, be pancakes. And we're like, bro, we're not in elementary school. What are you talking about, right? Don't be waffles, be pancakes. And he said, waffles, they're all the, which man, I'm getting hungry thinking about it. But they're all those little tiny squares and you pour the syrup in and it tends to stay in each little compart compartment each little square, right? Pancake, you pour the syrup on and it just goes everywhere. Who's hungry now? Everybody raise your hand, right? 
As silly as that is, when I heard that however many years ago, that stuck with me. That so often in our Christian life, we like to compartmentalize, like I'll get my Jesus right here, keep him right here. And really obedience, your relationship with Christ is to take over every aspect of your life. Y'all with me? So if you go back, just imagine we have the whiteboard, we're back in class with Dr. Osborne. Like if you said, Love for God means going on mission trips. Does, does loving God include being on mission for him, sharing the gospel? 100% absolutely. But if your idea of loving God is only confined to going on a mission trip, that means 51 weeks out of the year, then you're not loving God, right? If you compartmentalize loving God to, well, uh, you know, I, I, I love God by giving money, I tithe. Well, that's great. That's part of obeying God. But if you can find it, if you compartmentalize it just to that, then you're not loving God in the rest of the areas of your life. Y'all tracking with me? Obedience is not compartmentalized. It's just to take over your life. So rather than just like, ah, I go to church, but I'll, I'll treat people how I want to treat them. No, we treat people as we would want to be treated. We love them as Christ would. Rather than, saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date how I want. I'm going to date who I want because, you know, I go to church and I, and I, and I go to Bible study, but this, this, this square of my life is for me. No, John's saying, if you love God, you're going to obey God in every area of your life. You're not going to compartmentalize it to that. Hey, you know, uh, what I do at work, how, how I talk at work, who I hang out with at work, that, that's kind of my, my me time. I can do what I want. I'm going to compartmentalize that. No, John's saying love for God is to obey God in every area of your life, not to compartmentalize and confine God to one little box of your life. Obedience is to be in every aspect of your life. To love God is to obey God. I, I'll also tell you this. Just to be clear, obedience is not optional. Obedience is not for the super spiritual Christian. No, obedience is not optional. It's actually optimal. <laughs> Obeying God, walking with him is what's best for you. It's not optional, it's, it's optimal. It's not up to you like, well, I'll obey when I feel like it. No, it's a must for you. The best way to show your love for God is to obey God, to keep his commands. And maybe you say, oh, but obedience seems so lame. <laughs> obedience is hard. I'm so glad you brought that up. Let's keep reading. Verse three, for this is what love for God is to keep his commands and all you people hanging out in the venue and his commands are not a burden. What? His commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. They're not a burden. This word, you know what a burden is, but just to make sure we're all on the same page, it's a weighty load. It's, it's a load on your back that, that weighs you down. He's saying God's commands are not like that. They, they don't make you hunch over <laughs> with this terrible weight. It's not something pressing down on you. Question, just because they're not a burden that weighs you down, are they still difficult? Is it still difficult to obey God's commands? Don't lie to me. <laughs> John wouldn't have to be telling us about it if it was easy, right? <laughs> uh, ask, ask Joseph, is obeying God difficult? I was 
Yeah, so, well, he was the prince of Egypt. Yeah, but first he obeyed God by running from an adulterous, uh, like a, a situation we had to fall in, or he could have fallen into an affair, adultery, whatever you want to call it. He ran from it, which like the incredible godly thing to do. And he ended up in prison, right? It wasn't like you ran from lust and now here you are. No, he, he ran from it. He, he obeyed God and he went to prison. Esther while it's not explicit in the text, I think it's still obvious, it's implied in the text. She was obeying God and realized, hey, even if it costs me my life, I'm gonna go in and talk to the king. Obeying God was difficult. If you, if you were to tell the apostle Paul that following God, obeying God and what he's called you to do is easy, I think he would start laughing. He's like, dude, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was in prison. Do not tell me following God is just a walk in the park and it's easy. Like, it's hard. But listen, when he says they're not a burden, what he's saying, it may be difficult, but it's not drudgery. You know what drudgery is? It's hopelessly plodding along in terrible work. Like, oh, this is no hope. We're never going to get there. Dragging my feet. What he's saying, it's not, it's not drudgery. It, it's difficult, but, but it isn't hopelessly weighing you down. And, and notice why. Verse 4. Because, so his commands are not a burden. Why? Why can we say that? Because everyone who has been born of God, and again, who is it who's been born of God? Go back to verse one. The one who believes that Jesus is the Christ. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and they conquer the world. If you believe in Jesus, if you are a Christian, you've been born of God. He says that you live as a conqueror of the world. What, what is going on here? So let's have some context. First of all, conquer means you overcome. You're victorious. You're not defeated by. When he says it conquers the world, the context is obedience. So he's not like we're all walking out of here all big with like fake lats, right? Like, all big, yeah, man, I'm awesome. I'm a conqueror. No, this is not success in the world's eyes. This is success. This is victory and walking in the obedient life. You're tracking, right? So again, the context is obedience, not just success in the world's eyes. When he says we conquer the world, it's that we overcome the seductions and temptations of the world. We overcome the seductions and temptations of our flesh. So rather than living as victims and always giving into everything, no, we can live as victors because we've been born of God. What's he saying in born of God? We have a new identity in Christ. We have a new relationship with God. That relationship with God defines, now defines and determines our desires, right? I know God, I'm walking with him. He, he's changed what I'm, what I'm desiring. He helps me overcome these temptations. I love what John Stott, I'll quote him again. He says, we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. He quote or references Colossians 1.13. He says, the spell of the old life has been broken. The fascination of the world has lost its appeal. So again, we're not conquerors. We don't walk in obedience now because we're awesome and we're super spiritual. No, we walk in obedience because Jesus is really, really good. We walk in conquering victory over our flesh and over temptation because the Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to walk in obedience. It's not because we're great, it's because God is great. And that's why I love it. He says, uh, towards the end of verse four, 
then born of God conquers the world. This is present tense. So not like you get saved and you have a little victory and then you go back to your old way of disobedience. No, we presently walk in obedience because of the Holy Spirit in us changing our ability and our desires to walk with him. I think about Psalm 119. If you're not familiar with it, you should totally read it later this afternoon. Psalm 119 is all about God's commands, God's law. And I think it really shows what the perspective of the believer is towards God's God's laws. That God's commands, God's desires for our life give us wisdom. They rescue us. And even says in Psalm 119, they're like honey to my mouth. Isn't that awesome? That's to be the perspective of the believer. So what's the point of all this? Number two, your obedience to God will be a fight, but he makes it a delight. Your obedience to God will be a fight, but he makes it a delight. So just, by the way, to be clear before I forget, he's not saying we obey and we're conquerors so that he'll love us. Now, if you go back to, to earlier in chapter four, we know that we love because he loved us first. That's what he says in verse 19 of chapter four. But because he loved us, because we've been born again, because now he lives inside of us, it's because of that, that we love and obey him and, and live as conquerors, overcoming our flesh and the temptations of this world. When my wife Lauren was, before we got married, she was still living in Jacksonville. Both her and her dad worked in, in downtown Jacksonville. Um, and her dad forever, like the whole time he worked downtown for 30 something years, he always took the bus to work and rode it back home. And Lauren, uh, when she was working for the office, or the, city, the office of special events for the city, she uh, would drive to work. Well, one day she is walking to the parking garage to get her vehicle and she hears some footsteps running up behind her. Well, because she's in downtown, like she feel, realized, thinks like, how should turn around and make sure no one's coming to attack me? So she turns around and her dad, it's her dad that is running behind her. And he like pats her on the back. He's like, hey, honey, I can't talk. I gotta go. And he takes off running. And she's like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, I gotta catch the bus. I'm not gonna make it home. She keeps running. And she's like, dad, uh, we live in the same house. <laughs> so he stops. He's like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> he slows down. She catches up, drives him home because she was still living at home. Why did I tell you that story? I think that's kind of a, a silly picture, but true picture of how we often are with obedience. Here's what I mean by that. John's saying we overcome because we've been born again. So we have, we have a new identity. We have a relationship with God. Our relationship with him changes everything. I think with obedience, we often see it as like this checklist. We're in a hurry. We got to get there. We got to get it done. I have to obey God. And really God is inviting us to slow down, so to speak, and to walk with him. See, Lauren's dad was afraid. He was going to miss the bus. And really he had a a way to accomplish the same goal of getting home, but actually spending some time with his daughter. (laughs) The way you walk in obedience it's not through, I got to check all these things off. I got to do all this for God. No, it's, it's to realize you've been born again through Jesus Christ and you walk with him. He's the one who enables and empowers you to walk in obedience. If, if obedience for you right now feels like drudgery, it feels like just 
a duty that you have to do, I have to do this rather than delight. Maybe it's possible you've kind of drifted away. You've begun to walk away from the one who said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If obeying God is just a hassle. I'm laughing that some of you are still giggling that I said duty. (laughs) D-U-T-Y, okay. (laughs) You know who you are. There's a lot of you in here. (laughs) If obeying God is drudgery, I'll stick with drudgery, (laughs) and not delight, I'm going to submit to you, it's probably because you think of it as something you have to do on your own and not that he's empowered you to do. Your obedience will be a fight, but he makes it a delight. I, I think John leans in just a little more to that last part we just talked about, that it's, it's walking with him. How do I, how do I access that victorious conquering life? He says, the end of verse four, this is the victory that has conquered the world. Here it is, our faith. Who's the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. How do you access that on a daily basis? How do you walk as a conqueror, overcoming sin and temptation, walking in obedience to God? It's faith in Jesus Christ. He's the one that's conquered the world. So I also love, it's victory that has conquered, past tense. What he's referring to is the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ in the empty grave. That's a finished fact. It's done, it's set in stone because the stone was rolled away. So because of that, we can walk in victory. It's our faith. So our continued faith that Jesus is bigger and better. Big enough to help me walk in obedience, that he's better enough, meaning he's worth obeying. He's worth saying no to the things of this world because he's bigger and better. That's what faith is. And then just to drive it home, who's the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So it's not just faith like, yeah, I believe things will work out. I believe like that there is a God. It'll all be okay. No, it's faith specifically in Jesus Christ. Faith in anything or anyone else will always lead you lead you astray and leave you hopelessly abandoned. (laughs) Jesus is the only one worth setting your faith and trust in. He is bigger and better. I love with the late Charles Spurgeon, how he unpacked this. He says, the instrument with which this new nature fights against the world is faith. Faith conquers first by regarding the unseen reward that awaits us. The world comes and offers pleasures as the reward of sin But faith says there are greater pleasures to be had by abstaining from sin. The world says, take this pleasure today. But faith says, no, there is something infinitely better to be had after this. The world says, come with us, go our way. We will pat you on the back and say that you are a good fellow. Charles Spurgeon lived a while back if you haven't caught on to that. They will pat you on the back and say that you are a good fellow and and you will have a fine time if you come with us. But faith says, I do not care how I appear to your eye. For there is another eye that I can see, but you cannot see. God is looking at me and I am most of all concerned to be right in his sight. Faith realizes that the newborn nature is in the divine presence and thus makes God's presence to be just as real and just as vivid as the presence of men. 
The presence of God altogether outweighs the presence of men. Faith not only regards the unseen reward that awaits the believer, but faith recognizes the unseen presence of God and is moved by an all-constraining desire to please him. Faith that Jesus is bigger and better. Third point, what is it? The victoriously obedient life is lived with your eyes up, not in. The victoriously obedient life is lived with your eyes up, not in. Don't, don't miss that. John doesn't say, this is the victory that has conquered the world. We just try really hard. <laughs> he doesn't say, this is the victory that has conquered the world. You just got to hope you have the right setting, the right parents, maybe it'll all work out. No, this is the victory, our faith. What is he doing when he's saying that and then and saying, who's the one that conquers, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God? He's inviting you to quit looking in and look at him. <laughs> so quit looking at either, I, I think I'm awesome or man, I'm the worst. Quit gazing at yourself and set your gaze on Jesus Christ. It's faith in him that enables you to walk in obedience. And again, why does obedience matter? Because if you love God, you're going to obey God. I think the way you could like just quickly and simply picture this is so many of us, like in pride maybe, we've got our shovel and we're trying to move some sin out of our life. We're trying to build some obedience to God. And we've got, man, I got this. I'm good. I'm spiritual. And all the while, Jesus is back there on a big old bulldozer and he's like, hey, if you would just move your shovel, I could take care of this, right? But our pride keeps us looking, looking within rather than at him. For others of us, maybe it's more of that, like you, you tend towards self-hate. Man, I'm the worst. Gosh, I'm, I'm never going to grow in this. I'm never going to figure this out. And you've got your shovel and you're working hard. And God again is saying, hey, if you'll, if you'll just move that shovel, like I, I, got, I got a bulldozer. I can, I can do some work in your life. The victoriously obedient life is lived with your eyes up on him not in, not fixed on yourself. Like so many of us, we think about obedience and, and, and walking in victory and, and not being bound by sin. And even maybe right now in your head, you hear this kind of, yeah, you, you've tried that before. Like you, you've tried to get over that sin before. You, you've tried to walk in victory before. I would tell you that that voice, one, is from Satan. And two, he's just calling you to look within. I love what Ray Van Ness says. He says, such faith, so faith that I can walk in victory because of Jesus, such faith rests fully on the fact that Jesus Christ has defeated death. And anybody who can defeat death can defeat anything. <laughs> Do not think you are bound to your sin if you are bound to Christ. If you are bound to Christ, you walk in victory because of his victory. Amen? You can walk in obedience because of him. He defeated death. He can defeat anything. So in summary, what are the basics John gives believers about obedience? Number one, the best way to show your love for God is to obey God. Number two, your obedience to God will be a fight, but he makes it a delight. Number three, the victoriously obedient life is lived with your eyes up, not in. In, in thinking about this passage, I, I think 
And thinking about the word obedience, I think for, for a lot of us, me included, obedience can, when we think of that word, I love what one of my buddies said, uh, I think Austin, we were ta- or emailing back and forth about this passage. And some of us, when we think about obedience, it's almost like an annoying word, right? Like obedience, ugh. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, bro. <laughs> It's, it's, it, is, it does feel kind of burdensome. It's like, oh, I have to do that. Okay, like, why can't I just go to church and enjoy God? Why do I have to obey God? I think when we do that, we're, we're not even giving obedience a fair chance. My wife and I both grew up in Florida. And um, <laughs> it makes me laugh thinking about it already. So there's not quite the steak culture in Florida that we have in Texas I know, it was a rough childhood, okay? <laughs> but uh, I love this about uh, Lauren. When we, when we met, she wasn't a big steak person. And over time, I realized um, that at their house growing up, they didn't do steak very often. But if they did steak, her mom would just put the steak in the oven and bake it until it was well done. And it wasn't like a reverse sear method, right? Like put it on low and slow and then pull it out and sear it really good. No, just like, baked dry steak. <laughs> and so um, they just didn't know any better. I mean, the, the reality is it make now like her parents think I am an awesome steak chef, right? Like, but I think the bar was set pretty low. Um, well, one time when, uh, so Lauren, like when we first got married, she was like, no, I don't really like steak. She didn't get steak very often. Well, for work, they were the, uh, their marketing team had gone somewhere. I can't remember, it doesn't really matter, but gone somewhere. And after this, uh, they're at a, uh, not a retreat, a, um, a conference. And after the marketing conference one night, the whole team went to a nice steak restaurant to kind of celebrate uh, a good year, what all had gone on. And so just, and just good, good team building. And so they went to this nice steak restaurant and uh, they're going around, again, again, emphasis steak restaurant. They're going around to order and Lauren says, I'll have the chicken. <laughs> and Carrie Ritchie, uh, one of our, they're out of town this weekend, one of our buddies comes to church here and was at that time leading the marketing team. Lauren said that Carrie like kind of leans across the table and he says, Oh no, she will have steak. And Lauren was like, am I not allowed to order for myself on a work trip? Like what's going on, right? Like the whole team's kind of laughing. And she's like, uh, okay, I, I guess I'm having steak. And so the, wait, the waiter says, okay, well, how would you like your steak cooked? And she says, well done. And Carrie Lynn goes, uh, no, she will not have it well done. <laughs> she will have it medium. <laughs> and she's just like, what is happening, right? Like what is going on right now? But the reality is, you know what? Lauren now likes steak. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know, the problem wasn't with steak. The problem was she hadn't really had steak. I think for so many of us, we think about obedience. And, ugh, it's, it's drudgery, me included often. And the reality is that we're thinking of obedience as something we have to do so God will be happy with us. And I got to pull myself up by my, by my bootstraps and do it on my own. Guys, that's, that's not obedience. That's, that's religion. Obedience is realizing God loves me and he's invited me to walk with him and to obey him out of delighting in him. And it's not just me on my own, pull myself up by my bootstraps. No, he's going to empower me because I've been born again because of my belief in Jesus Christ. And I walk in victory. I walk in obedience by keeping my eyes on him. And yes, it's going to be difficult, but he makes it a delight. Y'all don't ignore obedience. Don't give up on obedience. 
when you haven't actually ever really tried it. Walk with him. If you love him, you're going to obey him. And obedience is awesome. I want to ask you this morning as we respond, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Is there, are there one of those points, believer, that you need to lean into this morning? Like, well, maybe for you, it's just realizing, man, like, I've been saying I love God, but I've been kind of ignoring obeying him. Maybe it's you've forgotten that obedience is actually a delight when you're walking with him. Or maybe, maybe as a believer, you've kind of made it all about yourself and have taken your eyes off of faith in Christ. I'm gonna ask you just to consider for a second, which one of those do you need to maybe work on, maybe reframe your mindset this morning? Maybe even, gosh, uh, hopefully a lot of you have a little extra time this today and tomorrow. Maybe you talk with a family member, a friend, and just talk about what has been your perspective on obedience and what is God calling you to do because of this text? be a fun conversation. And and if you're not a Christian, I just want to say like, there's no way that you're going to ultimately be able to obey God and walk with him if you don't have a relationship with him. And I really hope you see this morning that again, going back to even chapter four, that we don't obey so God will love us. No, we obey because he loves us. And the heart of the believer is that yes, it's difficult, man, I delight in obedience because I love Jesus because he loved me first. So if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to know that Jesus standing with arms wide open with, with scars in his hands because he loves you so much. And he doesn't say, hey, get your life together, obey me, and then I'll save you. No, he says, just come to me and I'll change you. Surrender to me. Trust that I'm God, Jesus to you. Trust that I'm God the Son. I, I came paid the price for your sins three days later rose again offering offering you forgiveness and hope and life and purpose and grace and mercy to just simply turn to me and trust me put down the shovel <laughs> let me save you man if that's you this morning and I want to talk to someone about that trusting Jesus as we sing this song here in a second there'll be folks back at the coffee center and at the welcome uh, center that would love to talk to you love to pray with you maybe as a believer you could just use some encouragement some prayer this morning We'd love to pray with you as well back there in the back. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to stand and sing and respond. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 